Hi, everyone. It's Melinda Garvey with the See It To Be It podcast. This week, we have another great interview with an incredible role model. Stay tuned. Welcome, everyone, to the See It To Be It podcast. I'm your host, Melinda Garvey, founder of On The Dot, whose mission is to lead women to success by seeing the paths of other incredible, relatable role models. And I am excited this week, as every week, to bring you yet another phenomenal role model. This week, we welcome Kiana Daniel, an award-winning, internationally recognized personal investing and wealth management expert. And before we get into doing what you're doing today, I would just love for Kiana to take us way back and tell us what your big dream was when you were growing up. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm super excited to be on and super appreciative of what you do supporting other women. It's what we really, really need today. So to answer your question, well, I actually grew up in Iran to a Jewish family, which is kind of weird. And my big dream as a seven-year-old was to become an author. So I actually had two dreams. One was to become an author and the second was to become an astronaut. So that was where I kind of got started. (laughs) An author and an astronaut. Interesting. And did you follow any path of either of those two? Yes. So I'm now a four-time at a best-selling author. So that one came true. And I did go to university to study electrical engineering just to find out that I suck at math. So <laughs> that one didn't really pan out, but I'm, uh, I'm married to a rocket scientist. So I'm kind of like... <laughs> you covered your seven-year-old bases. You covered it. You got it. I'm resilient. I'm like, when I put my mind onto something, I try to make it as close as possible to it. So it's been actually pretty cool. Probably hard to be an astronaut if you don't have a love of math. But interestingly, you know, you are now in the financial industry. And so not that you necessarily have to love math to be in the financial industry, but sometimes I guess people would think it would relate. So, you know, how did you sort of overcome your don't love math and now I'm going to veer into financial advising and planning? So that's very interesting because it's the biggest misconception ever. Now, the love of math, I actually did have it. My dad is an engineer. I always thought I was good at math, but not until I went to electrical engineering school, but I studied it in Japan. It was super hard. I didn't even understand what's happening. But yeah, I did have a understanding or a misconception that if I wanted to ever get into finance, I also have to be good at math. And interestingly enough, I discovered that really investing has nothing to do with math. Like, The math that we're talking about when it comes to investing is fourth grade math, which like right now we don't even have to do that anymore. Don't tell all those Wall Street guys that they might get upset. Oh, they do. (laughs) They get very, their egos get incredibly broken when I say this because that's the business. They make it sound intimidating. So they come off as smart and that's the business. Why? Because if people think that they can invest on their own, they will not go to those money managers, to those financial planners, and they will just start investing on their own, which a lot of people are doing it right now. And those businesses will go out of business. So that is the catch. I learned that the hard way after I got scammed by a money manager. And I was like, what is happening? What can I do this? And then I dove in and I started studying it. I'm like, oh my God, this has nothing to do with math. Like this has everything to do with psychology, emotional intelligence, being street smart, but nothing to do with math. So (laughs) that was like my big aha moment. And 
that's what I'm trying to bring about in the world because a lot of women don't start investing because, well, there are a couple of reasons. One is most women like myself, we're moms or we have a lot of things going on. We have a career and we don't have, we think we have to be stuck to our screen all day to start investing or trading. Like we think, okay, we don't have time for that. That is a big myth. Another is a lot of women, well, they either think that they're not good at math or they think there's a lot of math involved in investing. Whether or not are you good at math, you're probably going to be a better investor than a man because actually research proves that. So um, I know that we kind of drilled out of the topic they were asking, but no, no. <laughs> you know, I think it's really interesting just to kind of go back to your path because I really like to look at people's paths. So you were born and raised in Iran and then you went to Japan to do your electrical engineering program. Is that correct? And you were in, you know, yeah, so, it's, it's a very weird story. And you were the only, you know, or one of the only women in those I was programs. the only girl in my class for six years. Wow. I mean, six years being the only girl. I'd love just for you to talk a little bit about A, how that felt, and B, do you think it had anything to do with how you ultimately felt about the profession? 100%. So the interesting thing is that when I was in Iran, and this might shock you, because when you think of Iran, you think of the suppressive regime, which is it is, where women have no power. But uh, interestingly enough, Topics and industries and subjects like math, engineering are not associated with men. So 50% of engineering college students in Iran are actually girls. So when I decided that I'm going to go study engineering, I was just following my dad's footpath and I wasn't thinking, oh, I'm going to a male dominated field. And I did study in college in Iran for six months before I went to Japan. But when I went to Japan, I was absolutely shocked. And of course, it's interesting when I say that I was the only girl or like one of the only girls throughout the years, people are like, oh, so all the guys were hitting on you. Well, no, we're talking about engineering school kids. And then we're talking about Japanese men are typically very, very shy. And they were super intimidated by me as a girl and me as a foreigner. So basically nobody talked to me for the first three years. I mean, they tried, but it was very, very awkward. And they looked at me as an outsider and I felt like an outsider. And and it was miserable. I was miserable. And I absolutely think that if it was a different situation, a different environment, well, where I was welcomed and there were other girls and it was like just one of the others, not the outsider, I may have not hated the subject as much. And I may have even become an astronaut. Who knows? <laughs> well, and it is so interesting because I, I think this is what's so fascinating about this sort of push to get young girls interested. Actually, I think that young girls are interested in STEM. Then there's a point where that changes. And I think that certainly in the U.S., it's been very male-dominated. And I think that there is that sort of cultural whatever happens to them, what in middle school, and they sort of start to turn away from it. Um, And I think that, you know, you certainly saw that played out. But I I am curious, because I mean, I think it's fascinating that that in Iran, you know, 50% of the students uh, are are women in, in, in STEM subject. How I mean, talk, do you know why that is? So I've been trying to figure that out. And I've been like interviewed on this topic multiple times. And first of all, it's true, like the world's best mathematician, the 
first woman to ever got the field award in math, which is the is like the Nobel Prize for math, is an Iranian woman. Um, and it's like just like math and STEM is just like whatever. Maybe, and I'm not. It could be because we went to girls only school, so we didn't ha- didn't have the competition. And maybe it's because like nobody was telling us, oh, you're you know the male. I don't know. Like I I've never had the experience like in call in in high school or in middle school of being in school with boys and then when i went into uh, japan it was the exact opposite that was they were just boys so i went from one extreme to another i'm thinking maybe that's one of the reasons why maybe it's just i, I don't know i yeah, honestly when you have her i have heard that talked about about an all-girls education you know sort of just eliminates those those sort of cultural barriers, if you will. Those stereotypes, right? Stereotypes, exactly, exactly. Um, so that, that it's super interesting, um, though. Um, so when you, uh, so let's talk about, you know, moving into what you're doing now. So you, you went to school for electrical engineering, decided, okay, that's not my jam. So when did you sort of get that bug for this whole financial world and you ended up on wall street of all places. I mean, it's not like, Oh, I'm going to go and you know, a little financial planner. I mean, you went to wall street. I mean, which like the wolves of wall street, it's a real thing, right? (laughs) Yes. Yes. I don't know, girl, you were just like jumping right in from one frying pan, right into another. Talk to us a little bit about that. And perhaps do you think your time in Japan actually gave you the courage to sort of dive right into another male dominated area? Again, I did not know Wall Street is going to be male dominated because my knowledge of America was based on the movies, the Hollywood movies that I had seen. And in the movies, women are very powerful in the U.S. because <laughs> they actually not addressed in Hollywood, which is kind of misleading. But I mean, it's probably empowering for girls. So what happened, the fire in me for finance was back in 2008 when the market crash happened. I had no idea about the financial world. And all I could hear was that the US dollar is getting cheaper versus Japanese yen. Now that language I understood because I was living in Japan. I had Japanese yen. I knew about the US dollar because my family at that time was living in the US already. I understood currency exchange. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, so if the US dollar is getting cheaper and I'm ever gonna, if I'm ever going to go to the US, maybe I should buy the US dollar today at a cheaper price. So I started going to the ATM every day and I was checking the price every day was going lower. And I'm like, wow, like today I exchanged a little bit of it. Let's say on August 12, 2008, the next day it went even lower. It's like, oh my God, I should have waited. Like, how can I automate this? How can I know how low it's going to go? And I started asking people questions. And one of my friends was like, well, you can actually make money off of this. But she said a bunch of words that I had no idea what they were at the time. You should put your money in a Forex worker and then short the US dollar, the dollar yen pair. I'm like, what did you just say? All I heard was like, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, okay, why don't you just do it for me? And she helped me. I transferred $10,000 worth of Japanese yen to a foreign exchange broker, which is Forex worker, sets a short limit order. These are again technical words, which means selling the US dollar versus Japanese yen. We set a number and we said, okay, so sell it at this price. I was on margin. And again, long story short, I made $10,000 within the month from August to September while the whole world was crashing and like banks were going bankrupt. 
And I was like, wow, what did just happen? Did I just make money while everybody else was losing money? And that was just enough to get me fired up and to just go and learn about what this whole investing world is. What is trading? What is a broker? What is dollar yen pair? <laughs> like all these things. And that's how we got started. Fascinating. So where did you end up on Wall Street? I mean, did you get special training? What did you need to do to sort of make your way there? So first I got scammed by a money manager because I understood the value of investing. So I was like, okay, I'm going to invest, but I don't know how to do it. I'm going to hire somebody to do it for me. And I got scammed. And that was like a double fire. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. I want to do it on my own. So I decided just to pack up and go to Wall Street. And because I did have the electrical engineering degree, Wall Street companies do hire engineers in financial positions because, again, they want to appear as math is important in finance. So like, okay, you're an engineer, you're probably good at math. And I actually got a job within two weeks. I got two jobs within two weeks. I chose one over the other. And that's when I was, again, another shock. Oh my God, it's so male dominated, so much politics, so much jibber jabber and so much scamming. I, I actually ended up getting a job at a Forex broker and I learned that they make money when the traders lose money, like all these shady things that happen there. My head was getting bigger and I thought I have all these ideas. So I started talking to my boss about all the ideas that I have. Like, why don't we get women? Why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? And the big boss is like, okay, who's this newbie? He was just get, telling me what to do. So uh, I actually got fired. <laughs> of course you did. They couldn't take a woman questioning. Hmm. Of course. And that is when I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm just going to do it on my own. So I started studying for all these C-level intimidating certified financial plans, certified financial advisors, certified this, series that, series this, all these things. And that's when I finally realized, oh my God, this is so easy. Like, why was I so afraid of this? And why are other people so afraid of this? And I founded Investiva six months after I was fired and I've been my own boss for the past eight years. That was 2012. That's amazing. I want to dive in and talk a little bit about Invest Diva, but I think just kind of starting with some overall anecdotes, statistics about women and money, you know, there definitely is sort of a mental and emotional, there are lots of roadblocks, you know, we sort of know that. And I think that one thing to point out now and why I believe this has become what you're doing to try to empower women and teach women and have them take control and ownership is because right now the largest transference of wealth is happening. And women, not only do we make all the buying decisions anyway, but now we actually hold the purse strings. It's actually our money. And I can't tell you how many women I find that are afraid of that or who don't know how to do that. And the newsflash is if women don't start getting really comfortable with investing, you know, certainly, you know, that wealth is not going to grow, but also even things like angel investing and, you know, entrepreneurial investing, just really getting into that. I think it's really going to affect our economy. So anyway, that's sort of my two cents on it. And I'm sure that, you know, you, you know, have a lot more stats about that. But just talk to us a little bit about what you see as the biggest um, hangups for women and, uh, you know, what kind of programs do you have to help women overcome that? Right. So the biggest hangups that I see, which is changing finally, which I'm super grateful for, especially once the pandemic started, I've seen a lot of women really wanting to take control over the finances, which has been so amazing. But the roadblocks are, I'm not good at math. 
I don't have time. My husband will take care of me and it's too risky. I'm gonna lose all of my money. And those are all valid myths because we've been bombarded in our society with all these things, with all the stereotypes, with all the things that we hear. We hear that that person got into the stock market and lost all their money overnight. And yes, some people do if you don't have proper mentality about investing. And I say mentality because if you're a good shopper, if you're a bargain shopper, you're going to be a good investor (laughs) because that's what investing is all about, is about finding good deals. And women by nature are by far better investors, like research after research proves that because, oh, another roadblock is this, is that women are emotional. And it's interesting because actually our emotions are perfect for investing. Men get emotional because they are driven by testosterone and they are driven by winning the ego. So when they make a loss, when the markets go down, men are the ones who panic and sell. When the markets go up, men are the ones who panic and buy at the wrong time because they are very ego driven and they are in it to win it. Whereas women, by nature, whether you are a mom or not, we are longer term. We look, we want to protect our offsprings by nature, whether or not you have children. And that is our overview. And we also are more risk averse. Like we are not in it to show the other woman how much my portfolio is. Like we don't get into that to like show off. (laughs) We have healthy competition, but when it comes to investing, it's a different kind because we are kind of trying to learn as much as possible before getting into something. And that's very helpful when it comes to investing. So the first step is already very easy for us because we have that natural instinct. We have that eye for the sales. And the next thing is, well, it's risky. Well, yes, there's always risk involved in anything. There is risk involved with not investing. There is risk involved with putting your money in the bank and letting the Fed print money and devalue your money so that in 10 years time, your money is just worthless. They say like today's $10,000 was yesterday's $1,000. Like every 10 years, the inflation is just absolutely crazy. So if you want to overcome that, you probably need to start investing either in the markets, either in, as you said, you know, angel investing in yourself, all kinds of investments. And the definition of wealth is just having multiple revenue streams. So if you're an awesome, successful career woman or entrepreneur or business owner, or even if your husband is the breadwinner, there is no shame in that, but you've got to get on top of your finances because this is one something that people don't want to hear, but women do live longer than men. Right. Right. And no matter how awesome your husband is or your caregiver is or your dad is, the average age for widowhood is 59. Like we saw Kobe Bryant just dropped and died and he was amazing and he was a, such a caring dad and everything. But if his wife was not on top of her finances, no matter how much money he left her, if she's not financially literate, she could lose it all. You don't know if the financial advisors have your best interest. And 96% of lottery winners lose all the money within a year. Why? Because they're not mentally prepared. They don't know what to do with the money. So you want to be prepared in advance. You want to be on top of your finances. You want to be investing and grow your money. And as you said, the biggest wealth transition is happening right now. You want to get your piece of cake. You want to get that pie. 
Absolutely. I would love for you just to share some advice with our listeners. So first advice on women who actually want to get into the investment industry as a career. What path would you tell them to take? Yours was a circuitous path. You know, what would you tell them to do if they were looking, you know, to start a career? Career at a different company. I'm not the best person to give advice on that because I got fired within a year. So (laughs) I obviously don't know what I'm doing when it comes to corporate finance. But um, what I hate is actually working for somebody. I realize that I'm an entrepreneur and, but a career in investing, it comes with education. So you want to just read a bunch of books. And if you want to become a financial planner, there is a certified financial planning path that you can go on. If you want to become a financial advisor, these are all education that you can take online as I did. And for me, what I realized afterwards was that I actually didn't want to practice as a financial planner and an advisor. I wanted to become an educator and an entrepreneur. So I just learned what I needed to learn and I started my business. But becoming a certified financial planner, then they actually help you find a broker to work for and work with. And then any type of investment job actually comes down to having that entrepreneurship mentality anyway, because you need to find your own clients. For me, it worked out better if I was just working for myself and doing it, but you can work for another corporation and do it at the same time. So there's so many different opportunities. And if you just want to invest on your own, that is like the easiest. You only need like literally an hour per week to manage your portfolio. And so talk to us a little bit about some advice you would give for women who maybe are struggling to, you know, create financial freedom in their lives and struggling to sort of overcome the hurdles that you listed. What are some of the key pieces of advice that, you know, you give an Investiva? At Investiva, I only focus on the investing side. And what I want people to realize is that there is this circle of wealth. So the first step is that you invest in yourself, you create a new, you learn a new skill, whether you go to college, whatever it is. Second step is you start making money, whether you find a job or you have a business or your husband has a job any source of income, okay? And the third wheel, which is peace, that gets you to wealth is making your money work for you. Making your money work for you is investing. You can't make your money work for you if you don't have the money. So you first have to have the money, right? So I don't teach the second step. I don't teach the entrepreneurship or business, even though I am an entrepreneur, but there are so many different ways that you can make money online. Now, I know that the pandemic has hit a lot of people hard and people have lost their jobs and there is so much that people are dealing with, but oh my God, the online community is booming. Like my business has grown a thousand times. All of my entrepreneur friends who are doing online business, whatever kind of business online is just booming. And I feel like the economy is shifting. So if you've lost your job, if you were a hairdresser, if you were a yoga instructor, whatever you were and lost your job and saw a decline, you can probably find a niche community online and make it a reality becoming your own business. So so my mentor for entrepreneurship is Russell Brunson and Tony Robbins and Brendan Burchard. So those are the people that I look up to and I learn from. And if you want to turn your knowledge into money, the book that I read is Russell Brunson's Expert Secrets. That completely shifted how I run Investiva and how I really created a tribe of women who are now investors, call themselves investors. So how can our listeners find out you know, how to contact you, how to be part of some of your programs? 
Right. So once you have the money and now you want to make your money work for you, all you have to do is just to go to, uh, you can type it in this learn.investdiva.com forward slash yes, or you can just go to investdiva.com. And uh, I have a free masterclass over there that I explain everything that I touched upon right now on how you can get started, how to overcome the barriers and how to invest in yourself so that you can start making your money work for you. So investdiva.com is the best place. I'm also all over the social media, but there are some impersonators. So make sure that you're only following the real me. You can check it out like on Instagram. Just make sure that there are like recent stories. Like I'm the one with like 10 stories per day. That is a real me. All the others are impersonators. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm not crazy how people... Uh... It's all the things that come with, I don't know, growing a business that people start. So yeah, investiva.com is the best place to go. Well, thank you so much. And as we kind of close up, I would love for you just to tell us like what's either the best piece of advice that you've ever gotten or just a piece of advice that you live by or like to give out. Oh my God, there are so many. So this is one thing that I learned the hard way because I'm kind of cheap and I don't like spending money. But the one thing that I've realized spending money actually pays off is investing in yourself. So it has by far paid the highest interest for me because at the beginning, I was trying to learn by trial and error and do it on my own. And learning something from somebody who's done it before, it cuts down on the time and the money that you spend on trial and error. And the biggest asset that you have in your life is time, it's not money. So if you can shorten the time to get into the knowledge of somebody else, just do it. It's going to pay off. It's going to pay off over and over and over again. Well, that's awesome. Kiana, thank you so much. I really enjoyed our conversation. And check out investdiva.com. And follow, I know you've got lots of great YouTube videos and cool interviews with people. They're really, really terrific. So lots of amazing resources on there. So we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the See It To Be It podcast. For more female empowerment, inspiration, and advice, subscribe to our free weekly newsletter featuring a new woman to watch each week. And check out over a thousand more featured women at onthedotwoman.com. Know someone we need to feature? Reach out at onthedotwoman on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.